You are listening to the Fly on the Wall podcast with Ambassador Delano Lewis. Conversations about business, politics, government, education, and so much more. Now, here is your host, Ambassador Delano Lewis. Welcome to part one of a two-part series with actor-director Phil Lewis. Welcome to our show, Fly on the Wall podcast, Conversations with Ambassador Delano Lewis. I am Delano Lewis, and I'm so excited that you're with me today. I have a very, very important guest, a very distinguished guest. Uh, He's very much close to home. He's an actor, a director, an all-around fantastic person. Uh, He happens to be my youngest son. Today, I have actor-director Phil Lewis. Uh, I tell you, I can't be more excited about today. Uh, He's with us on Fly on the Wall, and as you know, this is a podcast where I have conversations with successful people, and you can be the fly on the wall as the conversation unfolds. And this is a favorite successful person, my son, Phil Lewis. Phil, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on the show. I'm glad I'm uh, part of the uh, successful people that you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely! You are you are one of the top. I tell you, you are on the top of the of the list. Um, to get started, you know, you have done so many things in in the world of TV and uh, movies. Um, just talk a little bit about your early background and. Uh, how some of this started, even about where you were born. I think this is all would be fascinating to our listeners. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I think so too. It is a, it's quite an interesting story. I was born in Uganda, um, and uh, my uh, my parents were in the Peace Corps, as you know. Uh, <laughs> my father was the regional director in the Peace Corps, uh, and, uh, and I was born in Uganda in uh, 1968, um, and uh, I I don't remember uh, I don't remember Uganda. Uh, <laughs> in fact, when did we leave Uganda? Uh, we left Uganda in '69. Yeah, so you were yeah. you were about uh, 18 months old or so when we right. left. Right, and I had been uh, assistant director in Nigeria, and uh-huh. we had to leave because of the civil war. And then I was appointed country director in Uganda, in and you Uganda, were born yeah. in Kampala at right. Makere University Teaching Hospital. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. in 1968, February yeah. Valentine's right. Day. That's right, February 14th. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and then um, the, you know, growing up and. In Washington D.C., um, I was thinking about you know the early the early stages of my career, and I you know I did theater. I kind of latched on to theater. I think very early, being uh, the youngest of four boys and being the smallest of four boys. I wasn't really. <laughs> I was certainly athletic, but I knew that that uh, that was probably not going to be my forte. Um, <laughs> And uh, I, in fact, I managed to play sports where size was not a huge matter. So I played tennis and I played soccer. You were a great uh, soccer player. I, I had so much fun playing yeah, soccer. You were terrific. Uh, well, and you, you know, you were at every game. And, uh, you know, I don't know how you made it to four boys sporting events uh, every weekend, but you managed to do it. I sure did. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. Right. So that was such a great support. But, um, you know, knowing that I, you know, I wanted to to have to do something that was 
was either a hobby or something that I would pursue. I certainly didn't know that I would pursue it as a career at, at a young age. Um, but I did school plays and I, um, uh, you know, would, I, I love to sing. I love to sing in the house. I would, yeah, you guys make fun of me. I would, um, I would, uh, stand on the front porch in our Northwest Washington home and sing show tunes at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. So, oh, you were very enterprising. I was, that's right. That's you can't, right. All you, I needed, you can't all tell I me that you didn't have this idea about being an actor. Yeah, It was almost from birth. Yeah. Uh, you know, not only did you sing, but you danced and you danced with your brothers. Uh, the Jackson five was out at that time, but this was the Lewis four. Uh, and I must say you had the best moves of the brothers, but, uh, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I would say that as well. And, and that's where, that's where my height really worked in my advantage because I had to be out front cause I was too short if I stood behind either of my brothers. <laughs> but, I, I can remember those stories where you did all kinds of impressions and yeah, I can remember you did impressions of, uh, of the priest because we were Catholics and we would go to mass and the boys right, and your brothers right. were altar boys. And you yeah. did, you did a whole impression of, of Catholic priest and yeah, I, you, you were always on stage. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because, uh, you know, being uh, certainly uh, in this business for quite a while, uh, I, I would probably consider myself a veteran, but um, <laughs> you know, a lot of what I do tell actors, uh, young actors that are that are coming up now, is that we are an imitation of life. We, mm -hmm. What we're doing in this in in, in our job is we're image we're portraying the image of reality and, and imitating life, and so our our textbook is is the world that we see. Wow. Our textbook is is the world around us. It's the people that we see, um, and and we can draw on all of those experiences in order to create characters, in order to create uh, emotional uh, uh, substance in the characters that we're doing. We're borrowing from people that we see, and you can ask uh, anybody that that is in the industry. Um, they will take from you know. It, it, Certainly, imitation is a form of flattery, but you mm -hmm. want to draw from that and make it your own. And so, those people, the, the priests that we were around, the uh, uh, the um, uh, neighbors that we had in Northwest DC growing up, uh, the people that uh, you that we would see at, at when you would go to work, and people that you campaigned with and all of those people, you know, <laughs> become these kind of, it becomes kind of an amalgamation in a way. You're bringing, bringing those people into your life and, and creating that image of reality. But getting on to, to kind of my professional career, it was in, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was 1978 when you were named one of the Washingtonians of the year in Washingtonian magazine. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So Thank 78. You. And, uh, uh, and I remember going to the dinner for the Washingtonian magazine mm -hmm. for the, the, the awards dinner. And you happened to be sitting next to, um, uh, Frankie Hewitt, the right. executive, uh, director of Ford's theater. And so we were sitting at one of the one of the tables down below, and you were on this big dais with with the other uh, award winners for that year, and you happened to be sitting next to Frankie. And so I decided I was going to come up and talk to you, which no one else really did. <laughs> but <laughs> That's typical. I decided go ahead. At ten years old, I was going to break the mold and go up and talk to you because I wanted to say hi to my dad. Um, and Frankie looked at me and said, "Are you an actor?" 
And I said, well, I do school plays. And she said, well, we're holding auditions for a show for the understudy of one of our uh, lead kids in this show. And I think you should come and audition for it. And I thought, well, that's what a great idea. I think that's an amazing idea. So it was, I think the following week I went to Ford's theater and uh, mom took me down, drove me down to Ford's theater in the afternoon. And I auditioned, I sang a song and did a little dance number and long story short, ended up getting the job as the understudy in a show called Storyville that was running in, uh, at Ford's theater in, in Washington, DC. So, uh, I did manage to go on. Uh, one night I came, I came home from school and as the understudy, you have to be prepared. Uh, and, uh, I came home from school and, uh, Brian came running outside of the house. My brother, Brian came running outside of the house. He said, Phil, uh, you have to go on. The kid is sick. The other kid is sick. <laughs> so, so I, mom threw me back in the car and we drove down to Ford's and, uh, that was my first time on stage, my first professional job. I was 10 years old at Ford's Theater in a show called Storyville. Wow. And, a little, and I'll give you a little anecdote to that story. So Storyville was a story of, it's kind of like a, a black version of the music man. Mm-hmm. So this young uh, gentleman comes to the, and Storyville is based on the uh, the neighborhood uh, in New Orleans, um, the predominantly black neighborhood, and almost a red light district in New Orleans mm-hmm. in the 20s. Um, and so a young man comes to town and he is a musician and he ends up wooing the woman who played my mother. Uh, and I'm a young kid, uh, you know, kind of scrounging around for money in the streets of Storyville. So my first entrance on stage, it's, I, 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 the audience is packed. Uh, I come uh, running out. And there's this guy, I can't remember his name, very tall uh, man, and he has a pair of shoes. And he says, uh, hey, son, you want to shine my shoes? And I say, yeah, why, yes, sir. And he takes out a silver dollar, and he's supposed to flip it to me. And I catch the silver dollar, I take his shoes, and I run off stage. Well, he says, hey, son, you want to shine my shoes? And I say, why, yes, sir. And he takes out the silver dollar, and he flips it, and I lose it in the lights. I can't see it. I don't know where the silver dollar is. Oh, my God. I literally just put out my hands and the silver dollar landed in my hands. Oh. And at that moment, I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you haven't told me that story before yeah. because I've heard a lot of other stories. I mean, that's, that is incredible. And then you told us, I think it was not long after that, you were, I think, reading the paper. I think you were always looking for ads. And you were looking and you saw that there were auditions at Ford's for a Christmas Carol, right? Right. And you said, "Mom, Dad, would you take me down to Ford's? I want to audition." Right. And so we did. We took you down, and we couldn't see the audition. Uh, but this, uh, they came back to us and said, "Are you Phil Lewis's parents?" And we said, "Yes." He said, "He's fantastic. Uh-huh. We're, we're gonna we're gonna put him into several other scenes of a Christmas Carol." Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you became a member of Actors Equity, I think, as a result of that. That's right. And they, yeah. they rehearsed in New York. So yeah. you were with an, uh, you were getting actors wages. You supported your mother in an apartment while you did yeah. rehearsing for Christmas Carol and came That's back, right. was on stage at Ford's for a Christmas Carol. And they had you in a number of parts. Yeah, yeah. And we did. That was a two month run. So we started right after, uh, well, it was about a month and a half. So we started, well, I think that was about two months. I think we started right before uh, Thanksgiving. And ran all the way until about the first week after the new year. 
Um, and it was fantastic. We were doing eight shows a week. So wow. we would do, yeah, we would do Tuesday, uh, uh, night show. Then we would do two shows on Wednesday and then we would do Thursday, Friday, and then two shows Saturday, two shows Sunday. So however it worked out, but it was eight shows a week and it was, it was rather grueling. <laughs> how, how, how old were you? You were only about, I was, I was 11 or 12. That's what I said, I about 12. Yeah. 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 Um, so that, yeah, Ford's was very good to me <laughs> in, my, in my, in my early years. And it was great because when we weren't rehearsing, we'd go on the tour, we'd right. follow the aides on the tour and they would tell us all <laughs> about Lincoln and all about John Wilkes Booth and oh. uh, fascinating stories. So I got, uh, I got an education uh, outside of the theater while I was there as well. Oh, that's incredible. And you talk about yeah. networks and people and the person that came out and talked to me and I was trying to think of her name and Phil, when you get as old as I am, you forget, you forget names. <laughs> but she, she went on to uh, uh, HBO. Yeah, uh, Nancy Lesser. Nancy Lesser. She yeah. was the one who yeah. came out and told us that you were fantastic. Oh, that's and amazing. And we kept up with Nancy and then she went over to HBO and we hear from her. I think she's still there. and she She's is, still there, yeah. She has been very supportive of your career, but that started at Ford's. Absolutely. But 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 let's yeah. back up. Tell me when, um, thinking about you in those years, when did, when did Newsbag come about? So that was, yeah, Newsbag, that was right after that. That was, I was 13, and um, it was a local, Newsbag was a local news show on Kate. Uh, WTTG. WTTG, that's right. Yeah, the local uh, Washington, uh, Washington D.C. station. Right. Uh, we may have played Maryland. I'm not sure, but we certainly, <laughs> we certainly played D.C. Um, and it was on at seven o'clock in the mornings uh, on Saturday. Seven o'clock on Saturday morning. Oh, I know. Is we had to get up, we had to get up at four or five o'clock, right? To, exactly to get you there. All right, go ahead. <laughs> That's right. Yes, you guys certainly put some mileage on the car getting me to my different jobs. But, uh, yeah, it was a news program. But the greatest thing about it was that we had to write, we had to come up with and write our own uh, stories. Wow. So um, I ended up, after about uh, two or three weeks, I did the show for a year. And after about two or three weeks on the show, I decided that I wanted to be the music critic on the show. <laughs> so they would they would give me, I think it was five dollars a week to go and buy uh, a record, and I could go to the mall and buy a record, and then I would review the record on Newsback. <laughs> and wow. so yeah, I was able to go out and do you know uh, you know kind of uh, also have that dream of of being a part of the music business and being, you know, able to kind of give my opinion on, on musical items. Um, so that was, that was fantastic. Newsbag was such a great, great show and, uh, and good, good folks. And that was uh, also, I had done a show called powerhouse, right. which was, uh, for PBS. Um, and, uh, I played, uh, I played it in actually an African ambassador's son, as a matter of fact. So <laughs> you talk about, you know, Art imitating life or life imitating right. art. Which, wow. <laughs> you know, um, but, yeah, it's so. Uh, but you mentioned. That was on the streets of DC. But you mentioned music. Did, is that when the, the, the your music uh, ability started and you started thinking about music, about singing and, and playing piano and, and those kinds of things? Did that start from the news bag or just other things? 
Well, I think it was a, I think it was a, a combination of things. I think my certainly my interest in music was peaked when I was doing Newsbag because mm-hmm. I was able to go out and kind of, you know, uh, it, it was an assignment for me to go find some interesting music and to play it on on the show. Uh, but you know, I. I went to, as you know, went to Mater Amoris Montessori School, right. which uh, Montessori, you know, the Montessori method and, and Charlotte Kovach, who ran uh, Mater Amoris, was very adamant that we um, were immersed in music and that we, we were immersed in the arts. That was a main mission for her. And she worked with um, a gentleman by the name of Sanford Jones. And he was and your music teacher. He was our music teacher. And Sanford was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Sanford was wonderful. And um, so music was very much a part of our lives, as well as being at home. Um, you know, as you said, you mentioned the Lewis Three that we, uh, you know, would, would go out and perform and, and sing and, and lip sync and dance. But, um, you know, with with mom playing uh, classical music and kind of what we would now consider soft rock. So mom played classical music and she played Jim Croce and John Denver and James Taylor and mm-hmm. some great kind of classic rock. And then you, every time we got into the car, you were playing Motown. <laughs> so we were, we were really kind of immersed in all different types of music right. uh, growing up. And as an actor, it, I always felt it was my mission as an actor to be, quote unquote, a triple threat. And by that, I mean, <laughs> you, you, should, you, you should sing and dance. And, and, you know, if you do play an instrument, fantastic. But certainly singing and dancing went along with acting, especially in in, in stage, doing stage in musical theater. Right. So musical theater was a huge part of my of my upbringing, but, which would lead us um, to to going to interlocking. Very soon after, you know, my, uh, before you get to interlock, and I, yeah. I, I want to talk about the the music because I can remember we had a piano at home, and uh, we still have a piano today, and I know you have a piano. But yeah. you started you started sort of teaching yourself. I mean, your mom, uh, Gail, played piano beautifully, uh, classical piano. Yeah, and uh, I loved. I didn't play. I played trumpet in high school, and but I I didn't play piano. But I loved jazz, and I loved rhythm and blues, but sure. you started playing by ear and it was just incredible that, that, how you developed uh, the piano. Yeah, it was fun. So piano for me has always, you know, it, it was part of my work as a, <laughs> when I was growing <laughs> up because I, you know, in order to sing songs, you needed to learn how to read music and you needed to learn how to plunk out those notes. And so I was never really great at reading music, but I certainly, I could read enough to plunk out the notes that I had Mm -hmm. to sing. Um, And then, um, like you said, mom would play and that was very inspiring. Um, And so, yeah, I would sit down and Brian also played. My brother Brian also Mm -hmm. played. Um, And he took lessons and Jeff took guitar lessons. I think that's exactly uh, right. Play drums. Don't play so, drums. Yeah, right. we all had some musical ability, which we must have gotten from our mother because we certainly didn't get it from you. Uh, but we <laughs> watch it, watch it. <laughs> we had we had some music. We had some you know musical ability, and it was fun for us. We were never forced to do it, and I think that's one of the reasons I still play now is that I was never forced to do it. So I don't have that 
those bad memories of some, you know, aging piano teacher yelling at me about chords and scales. (laughs) Um, But but, but you talk about the music coming from mom now, you know, you put me on the defensive now. I've got to speak up as your dad. And you must tell our listeners where you got your dance moves from. Well, absolutely. That would would certainly be my father. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> certainly be my father. Um, yes, um, you know, my love of dance and, and certainly my love of tap dance uh, definitely comes from you. And that is that is permeated throughout our family is our my nephew and your grandson, uh, Justin Lewis, is quite the tap dancer, uh, professional tap dancer. But yes, the, the the dance moves were something that, and we would dance together. Absolutely. You would come and join us, and we'd put on something in the uh, in the living room, and everybody would get up, and we'd have a little Lewis dance party. So uh, yeah, but but music was so was so much a part of our lives, and uh, very inspirational for us. Oh, thank you. Before we move on, I just want to remember just, just to tell our listeners. Uh, you're listening to Fly on the Wall podcast, and I'm talking to a uh, distinguished uh, guest, actor, and director, Phil Lewis. And not only is he successful, but he, he's uh, my son. So I'm just excited about uh, today's guest. Uh, Phil, we were talking about your music and your dance and all of your interest in the arts. And um, tell me a little bit. I didn't want to forget. I think one of your your love was live theater before TV and before uh, directing um, and movies, uh, you you seem to have this love for live theater. And I remember there's an organization in D.C. called Library Theater, and Cherry Adler was a director, and I was involved in that. Tell the tell our listeners about Library Theater because I think that was an interesting part of your your development. Yeah, well, Library Theater was a fantastic company, uh, a nonprofit organization, and Cherry Adler, as you said, Cherry. Uh, was very passionate about bringing reading to kids and uh, especially inner city uh, youth. Um, but she wanted to work, and she did work in conjunction with the library. So basically the mission was she would take uh, books that kids could check out from the library. She would take these books, and she had a creative team that would make the books uh, into mini musicals. So each book, we did about four books wow. and each, each musical was about 10 minutes long would encompass maybe three or four songs within that 10 minutes, maybe 12 minutes long. Um, and then we would take that show and perform it in, um, in libraries uh, in DC, Maryland and Virginia. And it was fantastic. I started off when I was 14 as mm. an apprentice to the director um, with Cherry, uh, and she had a director, uh, um, and he would, he would show me the ropes on on what they were doing and how they put up the show. And the great thing about Library Theater was that not only did you perform in the show, but you also were the crew. So you would right. set up the the uh, the sets, you would tear down the sets, you'd load them into the van, and you would make your way to the next location, to the next library. Um, and I worked with Library Theater every summer from the age of 14 all the way up until I think I was 18. Um, so it was four years, maybe even five years, but certainly four years uh, working every summer. And so I was an apprentice to the director. And then the next year uh, that I worked with Library Theater, I was part of the cast 
um, and stayed part of the cast for the next three years. So I was doing the shows uh, every summer uh, for uh, for Cherry, working with the uh, library theater. And that was fantastic because we would take these books and we'd go into libraries and we would, uh, we would help kids. And uh, so the kids could see the books up. Uh, the books come to life and then they could go and, and check that book out in the library. So it was a fantastic idea. Well, it really was. And I was very much involved. Um, Cherry asked me to join the board and uh, I, I think I chaired the board uh, a couple of years and we were trying to raise money to keep this exciting project going. And sure. uh, I think there was a fundraiser in my honor to try to help raise money for library theater. And if I can recall, uh, there was a big surprise for me. And uh, there was a box on stage, and I had no idea what was going on. And it was, you know, all of a sudden, uh, the box comes open, and Phil jumps out with a top hat and a cane and said, Dad, let's get together and do the stout soft shoe as we do at home. And so I had no idea that you were you were here uh, jumping out of a box and then asking, asking me to do a soft shoe. Remember that? Yes, absolutely. That was great. That was, you know, it was funny because I, I think that was right after I had moved to Los Angeles, right. if, if I'm correct. Um, right. Right I moved to Los Angeles and um, I, I was actually admonished when I when I landed in in Washington, D.C., because what I had done was on my answering service or my answering machine back then, I said, hey, it's Phil. Uh, I'm out of town. I'm <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I think one of my brothers, probably my oldest brother, Dell, said, "Well, why did you say you're out of town? If Dad calls, he's gonna not know where you are." <laughs> I think I remotely changed the uh, answering message, but uh, yeah, no, that I was, was completely a lot of surprised. Fun. I was completely that, surprised. But let, let me tell let, let me tell you. Um, here we are uh, with um, Gail and I with. Uh, Four sons, and they all are talented and all have their own personalities and, and wants and likes and dislikes. But uh, we really thought that our children should do what they wanted to do in life. And so for those parents who are listening out there, we tried our best to help our kids be what they wanted to be. And I'm talking to Phil Lewis, who became an actor and a director uh, in Hollywood and always wanted to be on stage and to be a part of that world. Um, so what would a parent, what, what should a parent do? And so we got some information that, um, there was a music camp, music and drama camp, uh, in Michigan called Interlochen Music Camp. And, um, it's, it's, was world renowned, known, and the possibility that maybe Phil could get, uh, to the music camp and, uh, to the drama part. And so we did that. Uh, we got, you were enrolled in the summer camp, uh, in Interlochen. And, um, so tell our listeners about that experience, because as parents, we're trying to give you as much experience and as much support as we can. And I want to hear from you as to how that all played out. Yeah, that was a, that was a dream come true. Uh, I mean, Interlochen was a place in Traverse City, Michigan. So it's the top of the lower peninsula in Michigan and just a gorgeous, idyllic setting. Um, beautiful, right on, right on the water. And, uh, and, and not only the setting was fantastic, but the kids there, as you said, the kids were from all over the world mm -hmm. and these kids would eat, breathe and sleep their art. I mean, <laughs> it was just amazing. I mean, we had, um, uh, uh kids that were, were, uh, that still are, are have gone on to do great things that were at Interlock. And, and this was not, when you talk about this, 
theater being a hobby or when I, when I was mentioning music being a hobby, this was not a hobby for any of these kids. <laughs> these right, kids right. were very serious about their art. Um, and it was just to, to be, to be put into that situation. It was fantastic. Um, I was able to take voice lessons, take music lessons, take a ballet class, take a, a jazz uh, dance class, um, work in musical theater, work in um, uh, doing straight plays. You know, it was, you could do anything that, that your heart desired at Interlock. And so and how, how did I, you feel about the, the, the career at that time? How did you feel about being in that world? Uh, did that, sort of bolster your commitment? How well, do, absolutely. Do, I mean, I think when you're, when you're surrounded by like-minded people, it mm -hmm. seems to fuel that, that passion for you. A, because you're not alone. You know, there certainly anything that you do that is a passion for you, you're going to have naysayers and people say that you can't do it. Or people say, um, well, that's weird. Or people say, oh, well, we don't do that. We only do this. Right. And, and, you know, not that that happened to me, but, Certainly, you know, if you're the kid who's off doing theater while everybody else is, you know, is riding bikes or playing football at the park, mm -hmm. then you might be considered an outsider. Um, but going to Interlock and you're all there for your art and everybody supports everybody else. So, for example, every Sunday we would go to listen to the orchestra play. Right. Um, and it was just fantastic that that was a, um, a camp activity that you would go into the auditorium and listen to the orchestra play. So again, you are being fueled by all of these people that are your age. It's not like you're looking at adults going, Oh, I hope I can do that someday. Right. You're looking at your peers going, these guys are really doing it. Um, and they would teach me the, the music guys would teach me piano stuff and, uh, the voice, uh, majors would teach me techniques on voice. These were students. So you're, you're just immersed in it. So it really does fuel that fire and that passion. Well, as, um, pa as parents, we felt that uh, through you, uh, we would come and on the opening night of the camp, uh, the kids would just come in. They would set up a whole orchestra that you and, and play, a, a, you know, pieces uh, at the opening ceremonies. And they'd right. only been there practicing for just a few hours. It, it was just incredible. And so we also thought maybe the second year we would introduce you to the um the music side uh so you were the you were in the um male operetta side of the music of the music and drama camp so you, right, went, you exactly. went back the second summer and right. moved moved into the operetta and if i can recall both years you came out with the best male actor in the first year and then, and then the best male in operetta I so think I did. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you excelled. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. excelled. And then you had time to play tennis on the side. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. It was it was such a wonderful experience. And a very you know, I, I must say that I was homesick. The first yes. the first year that I that I went, I was extremely homesick because I hadn't been away from home for that period of time. The right. camp we were there for two months. That's right. Um and uh but um, tennis really got me through. So it was the it was the downtime uh, that when you start thinking about everything that you're missing at home. And uh, and one of the counselors said, "Well, I have you have a, a free period between eleven and twelve. And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, why don't we play tennis between every day between eleven and twelve? We're going to play tennis." Mm -hmm. And he was fantastic. He was great. Um, and he would take me. Uh, we'd meet on the court and we'd play for an hour, and then I would resume my the rest of my day. So that tennis was something that was very uh, powerful for me well, to you, help get me bridge that gap. 
Well, you told us a secret about the coin uh, at the at the play at Ford's Theater. Well, the secret for you, you may or may not know, is that we got calls from Interlochen that you were very much homesick. And uh, the calls from the counselor and the teacher that, uh, you know, you were doing great, but you really were having some uh, some problems and just, just missing home. So we right. did we did converse and talk about maybe tennis could be something that could fill some of that gap and give you that energy that you needed. So we yeah. worked we worked with the counselors and you may or may not have known that. <laughs> I thought you might be up to something, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> to keep things going. But you were quite the independent person. I mean, you traveled uh for the most part on that second year, you would travel by yourself. I know there was yeah. talks about yeah. About uh, Simmons Airlines that nobody, right. no one ever heard <laughs> yeah. of. But uh, believe me, not a lot of airlines <laughs> wanted to fly into Traverse City, so there weren't that many to choose from. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I can tell you that, 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 that many parents that are listening to this, and you have a child uh, or a relative that's interested in the arts or other careers, what do you do about it, and how do you how do you keep this going? And you heard about Phil and Montessori School with uh, Charlotte Kovach and, and Sanford Jones, the music teacher, giving him the basics and fundamentals, and then interlocking music camp uh, for two years. And so then we thought maybe a big support element, and you supported that, was interlocking arts high school. That's right. And yeah. you have to audition to get in. And this is now a performing arts high school. I mean, you talk about people at summer camp were committed. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> these, these people at Interlochen Arts High School. I mean, this—you had to audition to get in. I mean, this yeah. wasn't this wasn't uh, an, an an easy thing. Right, so right. you then tell us about Interlochen Arts High School. Yeah, that was uh, another uh, again a fantastic experience because you know the the question that I think that you and Mom were grappling with was well you know how does he get an education as well as pursue this career right. in in the theater arts and Interlochen was the perfect um place for that um not only as you said world renowned but uh, one of the highest uh, academically accredited high schools in the country at the time and i'm pretty sure it's still up there um so the the academics were rigorous Right. Um, but it was it was a it was, we went to school from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, and the academics, unlike, you know, schools of the arts, uh, you know, for I'll age myself, of course. But for those <laughs> the people that remember the movie Fame and what that was based on, uh, the School of Performing Arts in New York, mm-hmm. um, most schools that have that are arts, quote unquote, arts academies will do. Um, all of their academics in the morning and then all of the uh, arts classes in the afternoon interlock and integrated the curriculum. Wow. So for example, my first period was a math course, uh, algebra. My second period was a dance class. My <laughs> third period was maybe a voice lesson. My fourth period was English. My fifth period was my acting class. So it was Jeez. integrated throughout the day. So you never got tired. You were mm-hmm. never tired because, you know, it, yeah, you know, there are high school students, a lot of, you know, I'm, I had, I have two girls, so I know about the the high school doldrums, and I went through them as well. But you never, you didn't have that because you knew that that next period was going to be that creative outlet that you wanted. But the the teachers in the academic side were so passionate as well, and most of them were musicians or actors or right. artists or writers. So they had again those like minded 
uh, people that you were you were surrounded by really was uh, was an intense experience, um, and that was fantastic. My freshman and sophomore year at Interlochen was amazing. Thank you, uh, Phil. We're interviewing Phil Lewis, and this concludes uh, part one of conversations with actor director Phil Lewis. We'll be back in a moment. Thank you. You have been listening to the Fly on the Wall podcast. For more information about this episode and previous episodes, plus great merchandise and more, please visit our website at flyonthewallpodcast.com today. 